Shooters Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooters Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every day. Every day. We offer same-day shipping. Shooters Connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster, Shooters Connection is the only name you need to know. Online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. What's up, people? This is the Hit Factor Podcast uh, coming at you from all over. We got our buddy Tater Tot from Maine, Mr. Jeffrey Cawthorn. Cawthorn. From Oklahoma and myself, yeah. Jeremy Reed, from the one and only real state, Texas. Basically oh a nation unto itself. Uh should be Dude, a nation unto itself. People people from Texas are bad. They're bad. Dude. No, people from <laughs> Texas people from Texas have actual pride in their state because it's the one of the few states that's worth having pride in, and it's just really cool. Yeah, I mean, when I think about how many pride, I think, ooh, Dallas-Fort Worth, Sugarland, pride, Galveston. Man, that's a place to be proud of. Hey, they got good food down there. I'm just, just saying. Do. There's some really good food down there. Texas City. Oh, man, the pride it, of Texas. I don't think hey. it comes off as as homeland pride, though. I mean, I could be wrong. I just – anyway, whatever. Texans. Kind of if I just, if I say if I say uh, Texans, like everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody. I mean, you can leave the U.S. You go elsewhere in the world, and people yeah. are like Texas, Texas. Yeah, because they know that it's cool. Like, do they say remember the out? Al- what do they say in Oklahoma? Like, we have remember the Alamo. What do they got in Oklahoma? Remember the reservations? I don't know. Uh, no, the we have a, a remember right. the yeah. thing. Remember the Osage? I mean. <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember It would be nice if somebody did. We do get remember the Maine down with Spain, you know, War of 1898, because they blew up the, the USS Maine in uh, Cuba. Oh, so that wasn't actually even in Maine. No, it's just named for the state. It's the naval tradition of naming oh, ships okay. for states. What is like, okay, other than lobsters, what is the state of Maine most blueberries. notable for? Blueberries, blueberries moose. Blueberries, moose, uh, lots and lots of forest, and then we have two naval shipyards. So we, we um, do heavy industry. We used to do machine guns, um, like Saco, Maine is where the M60 was made. We've got a, some other heavy industry in the southern part of the state. Um, Whitney from Pratt & Whitney is from oh, Maine. Yeah. And so one of their early factories is here. I mean, so like you at least have some sort of state pride. Like you rattled off several things and I asked Jeff and he's like, uh. Well, uh, I mean, a lot of that is that I'm just not very well educated on my state because I was homeschooled. So, yeah. They're just can we, so are we, are we making fun of homeschool people now? I mean, you can. It's fine. It's nothing new. All right. Uh, we got all sorts of stuff on tap for tonight. Um, we're going to dig into Potato's mind a little bit and see what's yeah. there or not there, what's missing. Um, oh. We uh, polygraphy, polygraphy, polygraphs. Uh, we'll <laughs> briefly discuss that a little bit. 
and we're gonna give jeremy a polygraph in fact to get to the truth of what he's thinking about uh, dude, at major matches if we could like if we could actually like like do a polygraph test on like on the podcast i think that would be fantastic oh, it's probably really expensive uh, but it would be kind of fascinating to – I don't know what questions we would ask. I know one question I would specifically ask Jeff that I don't want to tell him right now because I don't want to – in case this ever happens. But I have questions I want to ask. I would ask you both. Do you really think, Jeremy, deep down, do you think you're a better shooter than Jeff? And I would ask Jeff the same thing. Yeah, oh, that's like that's like diving into like – that's like diving into like our internal psychology more than – more than what is like what is a truth telling and what is a lie it's like diving into our internal psychology i mean i would i would would tell you that jeremy is a better shooter than i am i know he thinks but you don't believe that no he no he does believe that because he knows i am a better shooter but he he's he does better in matches yeah i i believe i can win but i know that like shooting wise, Jeremy is capable of more than I am. I agree with that. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll take that polygraph. There. <laughs> so you have not been leaking on the podcast, is what you're saying? No, the poly- <laughs> we haven't leaked anything. Anything has not been leaked. Uh, also, most importantly, Jeff and I have seen a final cut of the video. Uh, it still has some. Um, audio editing to be polished up and finished but mm-hmm. our video from Mary 3 with the race and all the gloriousness of, of old oh, people yeah. old white guys running uh and and then the match is coming out soon it's it ended up longer than we thought because it just like it just yeah. needed more time i think it's like 40 minutes around 40 minutes long mm-hmm. um yeah it's 40 and minutes it's like I don't know if, if everybody else is going to enjoy it as much as Jeff and I did, but I I was just smiling and laughing through almost all of it. Uh, yeah. So that was that was well, great. And so lots of people have have reviewed it for us, and almost all of them say, I mean, it it could be shorter, but I don't I don't know what you would take out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just good good there's a lot of good content and i have spoken with uh our editor and video guy uh ian and cliff and i actually hope to get them on pretty soon to kind of give uh talk about talk about it a little bit because this was really for both of them their first experience with shooting and people in this space um, yeah. So I think it would be pretty interesting to have them on and talk about, especially Cliff. I mean, yes, no joke. Like we had no idea who Cliff was and it was like <laughs> a week before this thing started. And he was like, yeah, sure. What the hell? I'll go to Nebraska with a bunch of weird dudes and, and video. So anyway, I would love for him to come on here and kind of give his thoughts on how that all progressed and then how the, how the weekend went and, and what he came away from it with. And then Ian, our editor, he came in not having gone on the trip. And he came in with 15 hours of footage and put together this story, which is freaking incredible. Um, so I would I would really like to get him on to talk about kind of what what that was like for him. Just, just rolling through all that, trying to figure out the story, like what happened, you know. So 
I think it would be really good if we get both of them on there. They're pretty good dudes. So, yeah, and the fact that that Ian, I mean, yeah, Cliff has to come on. Cliff was Cliff was awesome, and yeah, that was that could have been just absolute disaster on both ends. But Ian to to really not be there, not have anything other than just fifteen hours of footage, and to come up with the story that he did that, that told the story of of that trip as well as he did. Uh, is, is actually really really impressive. Yeah, so yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, he did it. He did a great job. Uh, obviously, there's going to be stuff that we will we want to do better and do different on the next stuff. But I'm I'm really excited about about how this one's come out. Um, and hopefully it hopefully you guys will will enjoy it as well. Yeah, and definitely uh, share it with anybody that you think would be remotely interested. I mean, I think it's a great video for for promoting kind of what the sport is, um, but also it's just super entertaining because Jeremy and I have made absolute fools of ourselves <laughs> running a race. God, it's so good, especially Jeremy. It's 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 also going to be a window for a lot of folks who have listened to you guys for a long time to sort of yeah. to see that dynamic play out at a match in a race. Mm -hmm at an airbnb yeah. etc in the car yeah. right like to it'll feel familiar i think to a lot of people who see it and yeah. interesting well, and, and hopefully like honestly kind of what i hope it does it makes people like if they're just shooting local matches or they haven't shot some majors or whatever or they're thinking man maybe i don't want to shoot next year or whatever is going on like oh no i want to go i want to go I want to go to Grand Island, Nebraska to shoot a match, even though like I don't care about Grand Island, but like this was this looked fun. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I want to go do that. I want to go have that experience. So yeah. hopefully that'll that'll be part of it too. Because and if you have been in the shooting space, you'll see a lot of familiar faces in the video mm -hmm. from from the match. So it'll be cool. It's it there's a little something in it for everybody, I think, honestly. Yeah. It's going to be great. Okay. Uh, polygraphs. Why are we talking about polygraphs? <laughs> if you guys don't know, uh, it came out in the most recent minutes from the board that I don't know. Who, who was it that passed the motion originally? Was it? Oh, it was it was uh, Bruce Six, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Area uh, Six? Bruce Wells um, proposed the motion. So, yeah. Area 4 seconded it. Yes. Uh, so Bruce Six of or Bruce Wells of Area Six, who is leaving the board, Jan or December thirty first is his last day as a board member. Uh, he proposed, made, set a motion for they've got to they want to find who is leaking board documents, board communication, whatever. They they want to find who's leaking it, and so they Bruce submitted a motion that. Uh, they want everybody on the board to submit to a polygraph test by the end of the year. And it was, and the, I remember, if I remember correctly, I don't have it in front of me. Along with that was then they will remove said persons from office using 7.7 .7 of the bylaws. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't actually well, and anyone, and anyone who refuses to take it, anyone who refuses to take it, is considered to have removed themselves. Oh, is that what it said? It's 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 then you'll be up for removal. Um, it's it's like refusing to, I don't know, take a breathalyzer. 
it's uh, prima facie admitting you're admitting guilt. Did either of you guys grow up watching any spy movies? Because wouldn't it be so much cooler if the board of directors hired a mole hunter instead of yes. this whole polygraph thing, right? Yes. Like somebody to infiltrate the organization, like who could do like counter espionage, right? Uh, like so we run a whole campaign, right? Like maybe we'll find out that Ben Barry, the incoming Area Six director, is actually this is a long term. You know, he is the mole hunter. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They set up that yeah. whole backstory about being really interested in the practical shooting sports just so yeah. that we would all buy. This is long-term thinking. You know, Ben has made, now that Ben is elected, he's made some comments on the Discord that makes me think ah, he's starting to think like a BOC a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe he is did he, a mole. Did he, did, he, did he say something mean about single stack? No. No, <laughs> he didn't say anything mean general. about single stack. <laughs> If he was, if he says something mean about single stack, we'd know he's BOC. Like we, we would just hundred percent know he's a mole. We got to get him out. Luckily, because if there's one thing old fuds hate, it's single stack. That's right. That's right. Hundred <laughs> percent. Especially if you put a rail in it and shoot nine millimeter with it. Okay, so the polygraph. Uh, so they're spending money. I don't know. I assume this is fairly expensive because they are either going to fly a person to yeah. all these different people's, all the different. Uh, board members' homes. And I assume they did not say area directors. They said board members. So Has, there, has anybody looked this up? Like what, what is the actual cost of a polygraph? Anybody looked that I up? Don't know what it, I don't know what it costs. Well, who knows what kind of backwoods cousin they're going to use to administer this polygraph. I, I assume there's probably I like home polygraph kits that you can buy. And I assume there's oh, yeah. professional services that cost like a lot a, of money. Right? It's like one of those... Uh, home lab kits like let's get checked for your yes. blood work it's like yes. a shift to your house polygraph uh every well or whatever and then you mail in your polygraph results and somebody interprets it right yes uh because i imagine it's going to be tough to like contract your local law enforcement they i wouldn't think they do polygraphs too often so i don't even know who you would contact to do this sort of thing um the fascinating thing that has come out about this is that in Washington, where they're officed at, and Delaware, where they're like it's incorporated at, it's not legal to sub like to put your board members under a polygraph test. Is my understanding, as what I've what I've read and seen. Really? So the, like, they they're not even. Like, I'm not sure if it's even legal uh, for them to to use a polygraph in any sort of way to to remove somebody. Um, so that's fascinating. Uh, I guess Bruce Six, by him uh, submitting this, it's not due until the end of the year and it would be voted on after after that. So he won't actually even be able to vote on on it, on removing anybody or anything like Nor that. Nor will he have to take the polygraph since he will not no. be in office at the, the deadline. Correct. <laughs> so he neither has to take the polygraph nor is in a position to vote on anyone who didn't. But he Correct. just wanted to sort of leave that particular steamer and run away. Mm. So that's, that's all laughable. Uh, the like good the thing is... Carts. Yeah, the good thing is is that we have lots of money so like there's lots of spare money they're bringing in tons of money so we don't really have to worry about the cost of it 
like being harmed. Yeah, when we get another 500 life members next year, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so renewable? I got. It looks like this could cost anywhere from two hundred to two thousand dollars per test. And I'm, okay. that's like just for the test. That's probably not for like flying somebody in or having somebody go somewhere, right? That's like that's the cost of the test. Two. That's so a kind let's of a big just window. Put a number right in the middle, and we'll say it'll cost somewhere between ten and twenty grand. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and what do we get for that 10 to 20 grand is we get results that are not admissible in any sort of court system in America. Uh, they are known to be completely unreliable and not truthful. And depending on who's writing the questions, they're going to have to hire somebody to be able to like form questions that would actually give you responses that are understandable. Uh, I hope uh, my hope is that the people who wrote the questions for the surveys that we get are the same people who write the questions for the polygraph test. That is my hope. Because uh, then it will be even more laughable. And so, yeah, that, that'll be great. If there was some way to get the transcripts, it would all be worth it. Yes, yes. I would actually support, from an entertainment standpoint, I would support the expenditure if we get the transcript of these polygraph tests. Dude, that was such a weird thing to see that like, it was just, it felt like it was out of the blue. We're just like, what? A, a polygraph? What? what? I, so I think, uh, didn't, didn't Bruce six, didn't he kind of allude to like, he had stuff up his sleeves. Like, didn't he have a comment to Ben Barry or something? Like he had kind of something he was going to, like he was mm -hmm. kind of going to go out with, with something. I feel like I saw a comment out there that he had, he wasn't going to just go quietly into the wind, so to speak. And like maybe this is his, kids, his parting shot kids, that he's uh, going to go after him. They're going to learn. These kids going to learn. So the, the big question is, have the leaks been damaging to the org? The information that we've seen, because basically the information, Derek has gotten the information, right? On practical shooting insights. Uh, he's gotten it and he's, he's posted on his social media. He's got, I don't know. 30, 40,000 followers or something like that. Uh, so the, like the question is, has that, has that information been damaging to the org or has it simply been damaging to the board members? Hmm. Yeah. I feel like this is such a, I don't know, su subjective question. It's like, <laughs> Is it damaging? Well, it, it damaged this thing that damaged this person who's a part of the org. So, yes. Um, so I don't know how they're going to quantify like damage to the org. Potato, do you have any thoughts on like how they would say indefinite? Like this damaged the org. Here's the number. Here's how it was damaged. Or is this all like they can make it? They can pretty much say anything was damaging to the org. Like, we are 100% damaging to the org. Guarantee it. Well, this is anytime you're making a claim about something that didn't happen, you can sort of claim whatever you want, you know? We would have had 50,000 new members if it wasn't for those, mm. you know, dastardly kids publishing <laughs> our speech on the internet. Right. Repeating the things that we said to other people so that they could hear what we said. Right. I mean, yeah, what if, maybe we would have. I don't know. Like, how do you, you know, there's no way to 
disprove yeah. that claim. What if, uh, like, what if it backfires somehow, right? So what if they come forward and they figure out who leaked these emails? And they're like, look, this person or, damaged or, the order. Or they don't Hold figure on. out who leaked these emails. They figure but out that if, other people leaked other things and they don't have any conclusive evidence about the emails. So they just have a bunch of evidence. Just I'm just pulling this out of a hat, please. I don't mean anything to say. So let's say the Area 2 director told his buddies a bunch of things that were confidential board mm-hmm. information. And that comes out through the polygraphs, although they never get sort of any strong determination on who leaked the emails that they're upset about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would that person be subject to removal under 7.7? Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, what if they're like trying to figure out who leaked these emails, but in turn figure out that the internal emails themselves were the most damaging thing to the org kind of deal. What if it's what if, what if it's able to be flipped around like that? Uh, then it'll just get washed under the bridge and we just lost $20,000 is what, that's what will happen. Uh, I would just say to the board, like, please quit wasting our money. Like this is, this is absolute absurd. The problem is, is that, the stuff that's been leaked has been things that they've said. So rather than rather than not saying stuff that pisses everybody off, maybe worry about, hey, let's just do let's just lead the org in a positive and a good way, like a way that people want it to be done, uh, not in a stupid manner. And then then all of this is a non-issue. Like why 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 don't you want the transparency? If you're in a leadership position, you should want the transparency. For like they don't own this. It's not their own private business. Like I understand. Like I don't want to give out all of what I'm doing privately in my personal business. Yeah, I'm not going to give all of that out. But this isn't their business. It's not their organization. They don't own it. They have no ownership stake in it. Uh, so let's just be transparent. Hey, here's what we're doing with the org, and let's just throw all that out there, and quit wasting our money. There you go. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have polygraphs. Then we wouldn't have polygraphs. I this one was an honest shock to me. Like the mm-hmm. Yeah. It because like polygraphs are so known to be so untrustworthy. Like it's like like they're not reliable. You're you're thinking too hard, Jeremy. That's well, that's the yeah, I guess so, but I didn't feel like I was thinking hard to come to that conclusion. That's just a known conclusion that everybody knows is true. Right. So the other angle is that it's just a strategy to bring out the person, right? Like they're not actually oh, going to follow just... with polygraph. They're just threatening polygraph so that certain things will become apparent and it'll be obvious. Okay. Yes. Well, this person is trying to get away from everything. So that's the mole. You know, in a couple different points in my life, I was just in harmless things. I was involved in things where some authority figure said, we know who is involved, you know, come forward and the consequences will be much lighter. And I never, ever came forward and they never, ever caught me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining I'm imagining a 16-year-old potato that's got a few too many squirrels in the back of his truck. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. And uh, I remember once then somebody did, who did come forward, felt pretty upset about it. And they spoke to that authority figure and they said, well, you know, Saul was also involved. 
And that authority figure turned to that, that kid and said, he'll just have to live with his conscience. <laughs> he didn't like snitches either. And your conscience is just fine today, I assume. Totally fine. Yeah. Lost zero sleep over any of it. Yeah. Uh, so I can so see that also going down. If, if this is a big ploy to sort of ferret out the, uh, the miscreants, that uh, I may not, in fact apply the pressure that whoever introduced it is hoping. Yeah. Uh, also, it looks like our, our new area eight director is, is in the mold of all the rest of the BOCs. So we missed another chance there. We could be at a majority in, in uh, board votes. If we had not area four, uh, I feel so bad that our area let the rest of the sport down that we elected, Mel, uh, but we could have had five. You, we could we we could have had a lawyer who is also a meme lord. Yes, right. Like two things that the BOD desperately needs: internet yes. literacy and legal input. Yes, right. Like who better to be on the board at this exact time than someone who knows how to win an argument on the internet and knows the law? Like these are two of their biggest deficits. Instead, and when instead somebody we have said- a guy who like who likes to shoot. Yeah, and somebody that says, die. somebody says polygraphs. Yes, yes, let's take polygraphs. We love that. That's who we have at area, for our Area 4 director. Uh, he's a goober and should go away, but we've and got did he, two more, three did he more get RO, Did he get his RO certification? He did. Uh, he yeah, did. that got kind of fast-tracked some way, somehow. Hmm. I'd be surprised okay. if he ever actually took the class, but yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, right. he did. So that's polygraphs. That's kind of what's yeah. going on. It's uh, yeah. it's humorous. You might as well stick around just to see what happens with it. Uh, so, Potato. We had this conversation on the Discord today. We mm-hmm. were talking about, well, we were talking about a particular competitor who is is a very good shooter. He shoots well. I shot with him at Nationals several years ago in Florida. I didn't know, didn't know who the guy was. And like first couple of stages, he does his make ready and you're like, okay, maybe he's just really nervous. Like, so he's doing a lot of, a lot of draws, a lot of, a lot of draws and still a lot more draws. And, and it's like, okay, maybe he's just nervous. And then no day three, he's still doing that to the point that literally every RO like starts to say, are you ready? Stand by. And like, he's, and it's nope. And he like literally every single one he calls off because his make ready is literally just a dry fire practice routine. It's absurd. And so he, he shoots locally with some of the guys that are on the discord. And I was saying people saying, yeah, they want to shoot with this guy cause he's really good. And I was like, I would do everything I could to not squad with that guy. Cause, <laughs> cause I don't want to sit there and, and wait through that make ready routine. This isn't really about long make ready routines. It was it was Potato then chimed in. He said, "Well, he's probably like me." Not probably. I said he could be, or he could. Oh yeah, that's true. Let's not put this on him. Uh, That's that's true. We don't want to put this curse on him. But Mm. Potato said, "Well, if he's like me, he's incapable of visualizing stages, and so he's doing so he can't do that until he gets to the until he gets to the actual." line yeah Mm -hmm. and 
I said potato. I think you're a little bit maybe full of crap. It's happened before. So, I've been wrong before. Okay, so this is, and the way this has been framed, it when people ask me the question is, if I tell you to think of an apple, what, like, what do you think about? Like, what do you do? You see something in your head? Like, what do you think about? The, the abstract concept of apples. Right. Right. <laughs> like what? So, so here, I'll do. I'll do one for both of you guys. All right. So, I want you to imagine a young woman, let's say early twenties. She's a brunette, and she's walking out of the grocery store, and she has a necklace on, and it's a beaded necklace. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What color are the beads? Oh, they were like pearls for sure. What color were the beads, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't really. Ass- I was waiting for you to assign a color to the beads. All right. Well, so just imagine she's walking out of the grocery store, young woman, brunette. She's got a couple of grocery bags. She's wearing a necklace. It's a beaded necklace. Can you see the beads? Uh, or do you yeah. need more description to see them? Okay. What color are they? Well, I mean, like. It- I mean, if you want me to assign a color, I could, I could then add that layer. Of you it. didn't automatically mention a color. So what did you see when I said beaded necklace? Yeah. Well, it was the, well, Jeff it was, just saw pearls, and so he's like, his brain is like, oh, cool, pearls. They're like kind of white, milky white, and that's what he saw. What did you see for beaded necklace? Well, it never, like, it it never solidified. It was like, okay, so you didn't really beaded. see anything. I mean, no, I, like I saw it, like there was, okay, there's, be- but it never is like, okay, one point they're orange, one point they're blue, one point, yeah, there's silver. So were you seeing like an outline sketch? Like there's no color to any of the scene yet? Just lots of different ones. Cause I was waiting, I was waiting for him to. Oh, so you're cycling through different things. Yeah. But, but if, so if you, so Jeff just picked like a thing, his brain said picked a thing and he's like, cool, pearls. Yeah. And then he saw a pearl necklace. Yeah. And you just kept possibilities open. And so, like, if you yeah. saw it for a moment, maybe they were green, maybe they were orange, maybe they were, like, big, thick, chunky beads. Maybe they were, like, it was a little, like, friendship yeah. necklace. Okay. okay. So this is my, you know, I'm the one giving you the guided imagery, and I see none of that stuff. Like, not even a little bit. Uh, even now talking about it, I see none of it. So, okay, can you draw an apple on a piece of paper? Yes. Very poorly, but I can. How? <laughs> So if you I don't, don't compare it to a mental image of an apple. My hands just know roughly the relative location of the contour lines of an apple. So you're just like, uh, an apple's kind of curved. So you draw a curved line and then another yeah, you make line. a circle. I know apples are circular, right? I know like some of them are kind of, kind of, and often I'll use my hands and like people shot masters with me see me doing this because i i i describe stages and i remember stages really well like memory stages don't trip me up but i make all the spatial relationships with my hands <laughs> like you know you're going to come in here about 30 degrees off on the left you're going to see you know a stacked target just past that or two pieces of steel and so right. use my hands to make it a little bit more real so what methods do you use for like a memorization so are you uh i mostly don't i just remember things 
That doesn't make any and, sense. And this is, and honestly, this is uh, without going too far into it. There's a whole thing. It's called aphantasia or hypophantasia. I'm probably not aphantasic. I'm not entirely incapable of imagining anything visual, but it takes so much effort. Like if I wanted to see like a dull orange ball, right? Like the sun mm-hmm. at sunset, and I really wanted to like see that. I'm basically going to sit here sweating, um, trying to make my brain see that. Uh, so yeah. to memorize things, I don't. I just repeat a sequence. So if it's, you know, if it's, I don't know, if it's directions, like if I'm driving to a place, you know, it's third left, go past the stoplight, you know, there's a stop sign on the right, you know, make a right. Second blue house on the left, you know, go past that. And then and then it's the, the fourth business on the right. Um, so I just make a sequence. But I don't think about what it looks like to pull up in front of that house and, like, see right. that house as a way of knowing I'm there. Interesting. But how do you know and, what a stop um, sign looks like? Because I know what its properties are. I just can't imagine. It's not that I can't see things. It's that I can't imagine them uh, in, in a visual register. But you can't remember what they look like. I know what they look like. I can't see them, but I know what they look like. So if I told you something with nothing visual associated to it, can you can you remember it? Uh, give me an example. Nine plus six. Okay. How do you know that's 15? You knew it, like, right away. As soon as I said nine plus six, you knew it was 15, well, that's, right? That's rote memorization, but I can... I mean, I could do the, I can do like the visualization in my head too. Yeah, but do you need to visualize for math? Well, not for not for simple addition. How about you, Jeff? Jeff can't do math. Jeff yeah, can I do had math. to do. I had to do. I had to do that math, honestly. <laughs> They're like, all right, so 9, 5, 1, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, y'all fair. were like, yeah, y'all were like down the road a ways before I had the answer. <laughs> no, I mean, that's fine. Um, I mean, I don't know. I didn't realize this was a thing. I thought everybody's brain worked like this. I should have figured it out a little bit earlier in my life a couple times. Like when I was a teenager, people were doing guided imagery. And I thought, this is so strange. You just sit here and listen to this person, like, describe a story. Like, what's the point of that? Uh, or the classic one, like, anyone who sort of, their mind works like this. Counting sheep, right? Why would that make you tired? Sheep are just a unit. One sheep, two sheep, three sheep, four sheep, five sheep. I didn't realize that someone, like, thinks of, like, big, fluffy, white sheep jumping over a fence and that somehow that's relaxing. Never occurred to me. I do think it's why I'm really good at remembering things because my brain isn't clouded with yeah. all the things people imagine when they hear information. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So it makes it very simple. Like if it's facts, mm-hmm. dates, times. So um, when I was, I tend to when I was it pretty well, when I was on here the other day describing how sometimes if I can't go to sleep, I'll visualize my morning. <laughs> Like, does that, does that make any sense to you? Like to do stuff like that? No, I mean, that's literally impossible. And it's not that I haven't tried. Like I've tried to visualize more than most people who visualize all of the time. I remember, you know, like for basketball, right? So people would say, oh, you visualize a, a free throw, right? So you sort of 
put yourself in the mindset of what a free throw is and sort of where the ball comes off your hand and sort of like what it looks like tracing its arc through the air and then like a really clean entry into the basket and like, you know, a perfect swish. Right? So you visualize that and sit there like abstract concept, basketball, 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 right? Like it's just, yeah. So that's why normally when I talk about shooting, I don't use visualize. I say mental rehearsal because I do a bunch of things to try and create like a sub subconscious track, but it's, yeah, he's got to talk to his buddy, Chris. Um, but it's not uh, it's not visual. So when people talk about seeing like a first person movie as their visualization, like they're navigating the stage and it's like they're playing a video game. Do you see that, Jeremy, in your visualization? Um. Yeah, I. I mean, I try. I try to see it as if I s would see what I would see when I'm shooting. Right. So, like first person, like you're. You yeah. look there. You see this target. You look to this. You know, sort of break on the fault line. You run over there. Yeah. Can you actually see it? Do you yeah. have to close your eyes to see it, or can you just see it thinking about it? Uh, I can. I can kind of see it. It's it's harder, right? Like it's harder. The more distractions there are the less clear the picture is, right? Because um, you're not actually seeing the stuff, but you uh, you see it somewhat. Um, so yeah, like the less clear, the picture gets less clear, the more distractions there are. So closing your eyes kind of takes out whatever your visual distractions are um, there. But yeah, I see it like first person. So like if I, I said, I hey, what color is your son's bedroom? Uh, that's a good question because I painted it whenever I built the house. I'm trying to remember if it's so like this light green color or if it's a gray color. Exactly. So can't. So so you're you're not you're not like a hyper visualizer, right? So there's people out there where the first thing they're going to do is they're going to mentally go back to their son's room the last time they were in there, and they're going to sort of mentally look. Right. Instead, you're trying to remember what you painted it. So you're trying to use other information and then you'll populate that image in your head once you be like, oh yeah, you know, I bought the, the light green paint at Lowe's. Yeah. So it's, it's called photographic memory, it. right? Like it's photographic memory, right? Like people, there are people that they can just simply remember, they, they see their whole life basically in pictures and they can remember any sort of picture they've ever seen. Anything they've looked like, they, they, they simply remember that. Um, so I'm curious on your visualization. So it's kind of a spectrum. So it's kind of a spectrum then from people like that over to like my side of things where we don't really see anything in in our imagination. And most Cor people are somewhere in between those. And Correct. people like on, on the extreme ends, you know, um, yeah. But it's not, it's not sort of an on-off switch. I bet if we asked that to Jeff, I bet he actually like just goes to his his kid's room and like in his head and then looks at the wall in his head and then comes back and tells us the color. Yeah. Cause that's. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know that, but I bet Jeff does that. That he very well could. Um, so in your visualizations, cause part of my visualizations aren't necessarily always, it's not always visual. It's like, what does it feel like? Right? Like, so, like first stage of nationals this year for me was the standard stage. The reload was almost the most important part of that stage as far as getting points. And so there was a part of my visualization was feeling what a perfect reload felt like. 
and I actually was doing that while I was shooting, like while I was grabbing my, that mag to do the mag change, I was remembering what this feels like for this to go in perfectly into the gun. So do you, do you visualize from a feeling standpoint? Can you do it from that? Like you just know what it feels like to, to draw the gun well, to, for the, to recoil perfectly in your hands, anything like that? I think so. I mean, and I think some people can't, some people have like other sort of sense blindness, but I can imagine a smell and I can imagine like a physical sensation. Um, I can hear sounds that aren't there, right? Like I can hear a song in my head. Oh, and hear, okay. hear what it actually sounds like. I went a different direction when you said you could hear things that aren't real. Um, I went a different direction with that. Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking about I love music, so I listen to a lot of music. Uh, but, but yeah, so I think that's why I like to say mental rehearsal, too, because it's not just visual. Even for people who are really visually guided, like the feel of a perfect grip and sort of how your hand in contact with the trigger guard or sort of the way the gun behaves in recoil or what it feels like to sort of hit a position with your body stopped perfectly, like just sort of proprioception, like your body in space. It's just nailed Mm -hmm. that entry when i'm planning a stage i try and pull up as many of those things as i can so i have detail in my mental rehearsal otherwise i end up with these mental rehearsals that are grocery lists it's like go here shoot that go there shoot that go here shoot that mm. and it's not very real um but i don't do the first person movie like where you're just sort of behind you know watching the the stage unspool through your own eyes mm. Um, and, and it's many people have said, well, you just got to try harder. It's like, man, I've tried a lot, <laughs> right? Like I've, I've, uh, spent many hours of my life seeing nothing, um, while trying really hard to see things. But so you Jeff? brought up, you brought up music before Jeff gets there. I, cause I want to talk, imagine that. So you brought up music, uh, like, see, this is really, this is really similar to music this is why i don't totally like i do somewhat still i'm in the like okay i think you need to try harder uh because there's people that have perfect pitch right if, if anybody doesn't know what perfect pitch means there are people that that know like there's an a they can hum an a with zero reference to any sort of pitch they can hum an a and they can hum it perfectly in tune exactly where it's at uh they can also just hear a you can just play a random a random note on a piano they can tell you exactly what that note is without any sort of reference and they can tell you how flat or how sharp it is how out of tune it is just simply by hearing it they have what that's called perfect pitch so there are people that are simply born with that and that's like it's just an innate ability that they have there are also people who end up they play piano so much like that they develop perfect pitch and there are people who are quote unquote tone deaf when they start, but you can, you can hum them a note or play them a note. Da, da. And they can, okay. Which one was higher and which one was lower? If they absolutely cannot say which one was higher and which one was lower, then they might actually be tone deaf. But I've never met somebody who can't, you can't give them an extreme high and low and they can't say this is lower. This one's higher people can recognize that. And so then at that point it's okay. Now you just have to learn to be, to do that in a more refined manner. Um, but maybe, maybe potato is the guy 
visually speaking, that if you play a, you say something really low, and you say something really high, and he has no idea what the difference is. Please turn that into, that should turn into, uh, please, actually, please don't turn that into a short or something like that later. Um, but, so I'm still, I'm still very skeptical of Potato right now. So uh, and a couple, a couple of like good shooters are basically said, "Well, just try harder. You're just not, you're just not, you're just not doing enough." And I will say one of the the things for a long time that I did best at shooting were really simple stages. Now you might say, "Well, everyone does simple stages, good," but I actually did simple stages better than lots of people because I could sequence events very, very clearly because there's so many fewer of them, and so I wouldn't have a problem sort of executing under pressure like short courses where you know sort of classifier type skills because you don't really need to visualize you can actually sort of physically dry fire your way through that enough times that it feels subconscious um versus if you have a a field course with seven different positions and you're sort of accelerating across space you can't you know you get one walkthrough maybe two you can't make that normal and so I used to go and shoot a field course and I would consciously navigate my way through that stuff. Like the shooting might be automatic, but all of the rest of it, I'm kind of having to do it with eyes open, looking, finding things. And that's really slow. I, and, 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 always, and, that's, and that's like one of the only places where I, where I felt like I had a deficit. It's like, oh, if I could visualize this, then I would have already run the stage 40 times in my head. So when I go to run it, I'm expecting to see that next target. I'm not looking for it. Yeah, it makes sense why uh, drills are such a terrible idea for you in practice. Yes, I, I always need more practice doing novel execution. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Drills, drills are worthless for you, almost, almost. Jeff, what were you going to say? Because I still have, another, I have another question for Potato. Uh, I mean, I can, I can see there being like pretty big pros and cons to to your condition <laughs> um but honestly you're not you're not the first person i've met that has a brain this way um i've had discussions with with people around here that have asked me like they seem dumbfounded that if they tell me to visualize an apple that i can like visualize an apple and i can like spin it around and i can look at it in my head and they're like, blows their mind. They're like, I can't see anything. In my yeah, and I say, all right, now slice the apple and you see the core and like how many seeds are there? Can you see the seeds? Right, yeah. So I, I create you all can. those images. You're there. Yeah, yeah, I can. But so like one of the negative things for me this way, and I think this is like thinking that way in combination with um, maybe some ADHD tendencies is like earlier when you told me, to add nine and five, right? Is that what six. You said? It was nine, nine and six. six. Okay. Nine and we five would not get you to 15. Nine. You told me to add nine and six. My brain will, especially if you had put me on the spot, like if you had said, Jeff, what is this answer? Like my brain would, it would have taken 10 times as long for me to put those two numbers together. Cause I would have just visualized nine, six, nine, six, nine six and it would it would take me forever to put them together see this is when you walked away because you had to take that, that phone call I, my suspicion is that you are hyper visual and that you are it's very very easy for you to sort of get lost 
in what you're seeing in response to the oh. stimuli. So you just go off into your own world and see stuff. Like somebody says something, you think about it, and then you imagine it, and then you sort of go off into Jeff land with whatever it was you've imagined. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think just... I'm a good listener. You wouldn't know it from the podcast, but I think I'm a good listener in real life, in part because I'm not distracted by anything anyone says. Oh, that is... That's pretty interesting. Like when, whatever it, you say, that's what I hear. I don't yeah. go off to my association about what you said. Right. And it, it make kind of makes sense why you can soak up information because your your brain doesn't get caught up in like kind of visualizing everything that people say. Like, <laughs> dude, my brain just paints these images and, and pictures of everything that's said to me. So... Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. That, that's so. I remember my mom saying, "This is you know twenty years ago." But I was talking to my mom on the phone. She's like describing something, and then it came out that when she's talking to people on the phone, she sees them. And she's using yeah. the phone, and she sees oh, yeah. the person she's talking to. And for me, a phone is just like this disembodied voice from nowhere. Like it never even occurs to me to think about like the scene the person i'm talking to it's just sort of pure voice really? and thought is your german shepherd trying to dig a hole in the floor he is he's trying to find a nice comfortable spot to lay down he just found it that's what i thought that's what i thought was happening what were you what were you visualizing jeremy uh exactly that <laughs> i have a german shepherd i knew what hap was happening just then uh jeff what's 82 plus 27 I'm not. I'm not even gonna try, dude. I'm not gonna try. Your brain would just immediately go 109. No, no. Yeah, not and, at so, all. and again, that's not like a skill. That's not something I developed. Like from the moment I learned math, like my brain just produces that. And I was seeing this on the Discord, and it's true. People are like, "Oh, so you're not like a spatial rotator?" I'm like, no, I'm really, really spatially oriented. Like, if you need to move houses to like the third floor somewhere and there's a narrow attic stairway, I'm the guy you want. Because I will help you orient all of your furniture to get it up like with a minimal amount of cursing and digging up the wall. But I don't do that by imagining it. I just look at it, and then I look at the space, and I'm like, it fits this way. And I'm not always right, but I'm usually right. So, and I oh, think wait, someone on, else on. would like sit there and twist it in their head until they could like figure out how to orient the sofa to you know, get it up the stairway. Oh yeah, dude. I like. I would just close my eyes. I just see better with my eyes closed. <laughs> um, so is and I this... think Jeremy falls somewhere between us, honestly. Because <laughs> I do think this is a spectrum. I'm sorry, Jeremy. But I mean, <laughs> I I I can add nine plus six together. I I can do that. So yes, I'm I'm not where Jeff's at at that point. Uh, you don't just see a glowing nine, six, right. nine, no. six. Ooh, strawberries. <laughs> uh, did you participate in any sort of art as a kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's did you like fail all those classes? No, there's people who are famous visual artists who don't see things in their like they have a concept and then they express that concept with their bodies by creating things, but they yeah. don't see that concept before they create. I could actually see that like you being a pretty good artist with that, 
because like you're just going off of like you make a stroke and then you kind of go from there and you just keep keep building on what's in front of you rather than visualizing what you're trying to make and i can remember things i've seen but i can't see them So like a, a couple of minutes ago, I bent the, the the computer so you could see my dog on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Right? If you had bent your computer so I could see your dog on the floor, Jeremy, I would remember that I'd seen it. I'd probably remember its color. I could give you all of that information. Um, mm -hmm. But I wouldn't get that information by remembering what it looked like. It would just be something I know. And if I didn't know it, I just don't know it. I'd have no way to get it. If Jeff didn't know it, he would try and look at it again in his head until he came up with the answer. It might be, but it might not be the correct answer. It would just be what his head sees. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Like if I said, yeah. I don't know. And so so it, it, this, I used to think this was a real problem for shooting. It's not. Like, I'm not asking for extra walkthroughs. I don't need special accommodations to get by on my uh, mental mm. deficit. But I have met a few other people who shoot and when people emphasize the sort of visualization, like the thing you need to do to make a stage plan run automatically is you need to sort of watch it like a first person film over and over again until you can't make a mistake. It's like, yeah, we don't do that. And it, and it still works out. So maybe that's just one way that may not be the only way. So to bring this all back together, um, don't take, don't, don't take, don't, don't have a dry fire session, workout session, uh, during your make ready. This, this is too long. Don't be like that. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, other thing I thought of while we we're having this conversation, which is I think kind of interesting is like, there are people that like, they go to his classes with with instructors and they become like ardent students of that. And they think I have to follow this. And this is the, the instructor that has things right. And, uh, man, that instructor is teaching what they know, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're teaching what's worked for them. And it's not, not that you shouldn't go to classes or, or, or try to learn from instructors. There's lots of good information out there, but I do think that it's, uh, it, it's a pretty clear example tonight of just, how differently people's minds work and how differently they process information and they apply information that they have such yeah. that, that, uh, yeah, like just, you know, you can't just take one person, how they, how they teach, how they say how to do something. And just like, that is the way that it has to be done. Yeah. Um, Imagine how oh, yeah, bad if I describe to you, up, if, if me, and if Potato I describe class. Okay, Jeff, 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 uh, you say everything as you just said again. I said, imagine how screwed up people would be if me and Potato tried to teach a class together. <laughs> like oh, trying to teach people how to how to visualize a stage and make a stage. We'll teach them the mental game. The Coughton <laughs> Allen mental game. So first you're going to see nothing. Just rote memorization. And then I want you to act it out with your body. And, and then go over and work with Jeff for a little while and you can see everything. <laughs> I mean, it's also when people describe what they see, they're using language, right? They're translating. It's not what they see. It's, it's a language game that loosely corresponds to what those words mean to them. 
And there's certainly like instructors where I've heard them say a thing for years. And I thought that's just wrong. Um, not that it's wrong, like it isn't true for them. But the, what those words mean, that's not what I see. And that's not what I do. It's just not reality for me. Mm. And if I spend a whole lot of time trying to, which I did at one point, trying to make what they describe my reality, it's, I'm just beating my head against the wall. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like, uh, Potato, you and I actually walking stages together would actually, we would, we would form our own like vernacular because I do, I notice myself doing this as like at Area 3 and Nationals with Jeff and Brett, uh, we were walking stages together and stuff and they'd say like, do you have a plan? I'd be like, yeah. I'm going eight, six, eight, two, four. And, uh, but, and then I would say, but I could go eight, eight, four, six, but I think I'm gonna go eight, two, six, eight, four. Uh, and like, that would be all I would say. And I would assume that they understand what all of those eight shots were. Like, what are the next two shots? And like, they knew exactly what my stage plan was simply by, the numbers that I, that I read off to them. Oh, that would totally work for me because it would be the logical order of target engagement, how many shots required for yeah. the positions I see from a logical starting point to a logical ending point. Yeah. And if there was a decision, I would know based on the round count which way you were going. Yeah. Uh, Brett and Jeff <laughs> looked at me yeah. like, I don't know what kind of weird gibberish you're giving me, but that doesn't make sense. I feel like there were there was a lot of stages that it makes total sense if it's like fairly straightforward. I think it was yeah. some of the bit more convoluted ones that were like, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not following on this one. <laughs> and on a straightforward one, yeah, we'll just all three of us will walk around and be like, yeah, six six eight or eight eight six or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, for memory stages, I almost always try and have non-target related markers throughout the stage um yeah so that when i'm mentally rehearsing it i know what the sequencing is because i'm not going to visualize seeing it but i know oh the crack and the fault line from there it's the first target on the left right and then i'm going to transition and it's the the hardcover yeah. partial and then it's two opens and right and so and I think everyone does that, but some people do that in a visual register where they're seeing that. And then some people sort of do it my way, which is more grocery list style. Like these mm -hmm. are the sequence of all the things that have to happen for, for a memory stage. So that after beep, I'm not thinking about that. Did I already engage that target? I'm just shooting the next thing in the sequence. And I only have to do one at a time. Hmm. I'm still just tripping out. Like you have looked at site pictures probably almost every day like a hundred times a day for the past year, at least. And yet you can't see a sight picture in your head right now. No, not even you, a you can't, you cannot see a front sight. Like what that looks like. I, I don't know. I don't know what people in my life look like when they're not in the room. Like I do, I could describe their features to you, but I couldn't see them. They'd be like, oh, they're, you know, five foot three, they're blonde, you know, they've you know, got a freckle on the nose, there's a mole on the left cheek or whatever. Like, I can give you all of the information that I previously apprehended, but I don't yeah. access any of that by seeing them. It's all it's all just stored in a database. Yeah. It's, it's all just values. Audiobooks have to be terrible for you. Man, I love books. There's so much information in them. <laughs> 
So, uh, hold on. Especially this... fiction, man. People were picking on me. They're like, oh, you wouldn't like fiction because it's all about description. It's like, no, fiction's all about conflict. And so it's all about conflict and resolution. And, yeah. Is this how the conversation escalated to DMT? Yes. So then uh, Mike Dixon said, well, I can, I can show you the world. <laughs> Right. Come with me. And he didn't mean you... stand on the, the bow of the Titanic. He meant... Um, <laughs> Isn't that... No, that's Aladdin. Hallucinogens. Aladdin, I, yeah. Yeah, a whole new world. Yeah. Yeah, hallucinogens. I'm that's... on top of the world. So, have you ever hallucinated? You don't have to say how. <laughs> <laughs> Extensively. Jeff is have... very fascinated in this conversation. Oh, 100%. So, I mean, I can hallucinate, too, because, again, I, I, I can dream with images, but I would never, ever remember them as images. I can also remember photographs. Because a photograph is a thing I've seen. It's not a thing I produce based on information. Right? If I say the purple elephant is, you know, jumping on the red trampoline, you produce a picture of a purple elephant jumping on a red trampoline. It was I will not produce that. What's that? That it was Horton. Horton sees a who. It was a Horton? Oh, from Horton sees a who. Exactly. So you even picked a specific elephant. Great. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But if you take a picture of a purple elephant jumping on a red trampoline, I will later be able to recall details about that because I saw um, Yeah. You know what's funny about you saying like the red trampoline? The red trampoline gave me problems. And I had to, you know how I like in paint, you use like the, the color fill? And you like, yeah. mm -hmm. you click on it. Like I literally, I kept imagining a, a an elephant on a black tramp, a normal black trampoline, and I had to go with my paint, my color fill, and go click the red button to turn all the black red. Oh my god! Were you able to just go straight red trampoline, even though you've never seen a red trampoline before, Jeff? I I didn't hear the red trampoline part. I just purple elephant. Uh, all I heard yeah, that's the whole eighty. And then he's gone because he, yeah, he's just... already off looking at, at Horton. Yeah, listening yeah. to who's exactly, exactly. Oh wow! I we have spent we have spent an hour talking about polygraphs and uh, investigating deeper into Potato's mind, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know if how many of you guys will enjoy this conversation as much as I have. But oh, the two guys with Fantasia will be excited. Yeah, be like, oh yeah, the other mind blind guy. He's on the internet. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I don't know if there's a big a big takeaway from this other than I'm still confused and I'm still in a little bit of disbelief. But hmm. I'll, I'll work on that. I'll work. On however, that. however, if you need some shooting gear, go check out Shooters Connection. They got everything you need to uh to 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 fund your your shooting to get those those pasters those targets and dry fire targets get ready for the off season we actually had a question about the off season but get ready for the off season it's getting cold you're gonna need some dry fire stuff um so go over to shooters connection get what you need they support this sport a lot support a lot of matches they support this podcast and some would say that we help the sport out by bringing attention to it. Who knows? But they support us, so thank you to Shooters Connection. Great folks over there supporting uh, supporting the sport and their shooters themselves. So 
order you something from them, use the link if you would. Let them know you came from here, and they'll get you fixed up real quick. No joke. They get their stuff shipped out quick. So thank you, Shooters Connection. So you're sponsoring the podcast. And we did have a question if y'all want to hit it real quick. Quick. Let's do it. Okay. It actually just came in. We need questions, so uh, send us questions. Send us questions or join the the Discord and send questions in there. Okay, it says, I don't know if you guys get full on winters like I do, or full on winters like I do, but when the main outdoor season ends, does it impact you guys at all? Or do you look forward to the break? Let's start with potato. Um, it prevents me from shooting outside. Uh, when it's cold or there's snow on the base, I'm just not going to go. If it's 30s and rainy, I'm not going to go. If there was a match I cared about and it was 30s and rainy, I would go and I would shoot in it and that would be fine. But if I'm looking at a few months before I go to a match, I'm just not going to go. Um, I don't really take an off season because I don't really have a season. But I go outside a lot less when it's cold. Um, so. So you never stop dry firing? I, I change how I dry fire. And so like this year in the winter, I'm going to be dry firing single stack, trying to get good at that. And for me, in a few years ago, I dry fired a Glock um, or I dry fired production and then not shot any matches in production. Um, so I'll do something different. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm just grinding forever. Um, but I enjoy getting better. And so for me, dry fire is mostly about enjoying getting better. So I kind of don't want to stop doing that. I don't feel burned out from doing it. It's like running or lifting weights or anything else. It's just something I do. Mm, just about that grind. No, I enjoy it. <laughs> Jeremy? Uh, I I do take an off-season. Once, once Nationals are over this year, Ipswich Nationals, once that's over, yeah, I'll – I'll put this stuff away. Honestly, because there's no like, I don't want to shoot winter. I don't want to shoot matches in the winter. Like, I don't want it. Like, Florida Open seems like a cool match. They they kind of do some crazy stuff there. It might be a cool match, but it's in the middle of winter for me. I don't want to go train when it's my hands are freezing cold and I can't really function. So like, that's just not. I just don't want to train like that. And so I don't shoot matches that time of year. Which means if I'm not shooting matches, I'm not. I'm not motivated to do much dry fire uh, or anything like that. Certainly, I'm not going to be going outside a lot. So I, t- I take an off season basically because I, I'm not shooting matches then, so I'm not training for those matches. So I take an off season. It gives me just and it does that kind of just adds more time of the day uh, or the week. I can go snow skiing with the kids, the family, or myself sometimes, uh, and try to get some other stuff done. Plus the days are so short. I mean, I don't know. I mean, potatoes, his days are already super short, but I mean, mm-hmm. when it's dark at before six, <laughs> when are you going to go shoot? Like it's either you just go during the middle of the day or you, or you don't go. So. Yeah. 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 So historically I do take quite an off season, sometimes very long. And I usually regret that. If I take a super long one, but I mean, I have taken like six months off and it's, 
it kind of sucks coming back from because usually with my personality, I'm not going to do nothing for six months. So if I'm not shooting, I'm going to pick up something else and I'm going to spend a lot of time doing that thing. And then it's going to come time for shooting and I'm going to be balls deep into doing something else and I'm not going to want to set it down. Um, so it's really not good for me to take that long off, but, um, yeah, I do take an off season, even though we don't really get bad winters, it does get cold, like miserably cold and windy, but it doesn't get, like, we don't get a lot of snow or anything. Um, but yeah, generally I'll take off from like October to March or something like that. But this year, I don't know what it's going to look like because I'm supposed to crush potato in February, so We'll just have to see what happens. I don't know. Do you, when do you reload for the season? Do you do that in winter? Or do you reload as you go? Unfortunately, I reload as I go. Yeah. So yeah you, this, do you get out in front? Uh, when I was shooting a lot, I used to do that. Yeah, I would. I would get. I would try to get like twenty thousand rounds in the off season stockpiled up not that in the past that wouldn't get me through a full season but that would give me a stockpile that then i can the loading that i did during the season uh i'd be ready to go so i've got i've got some components on hand and i've got i've got brass so this this off season i'll probably get some ammo loaded up i'll have i'll have several thousand such that Whenever I want to go shoot, I can just go shoot. That's that's kind of the worst when it's like, oh, hey, it's nice today. I've got an hour. I could go shoot. And it's like, you look down, I don't have any ammo. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to go shoot because by the time I load it and get out there, then you won't have time. Mm-hmm. So I try to I try to always keep – like I always load at least 1,000 at it. I, almost, I never load less than 1,000 always load at least a thousand at a time right so i'm always loading somewhat of somewhat of a stockpile and yeah i'll i'll, I'll try to stockpile this winter jeff's right it's a really short turnaround because we have ipsic nationals in november of this year basically right before thanksgiving and then ipsic nationals for 2024 is in april of next year so there's really not this year's downtime, actually, I'm looking to have more downtime actually after April of next year, even though I signed yeah, up for Area 1, which is in May. But, yeah, yeah, I'll probably hit it hard early in this early next season, and then I'll probably take kind of some time off where I don't do any dry fire and not a lot of shooting kind of that early summer, early summer portion. Of take next June year. off and then get back to it in yeah. sometime in July in preparation for September. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. Next next season's gonna be be interesting. The last time I did load a bunch of ammo, like off season, uh, which it wasn't a ton. I do remember it being a little over a hundred pounds of ammunition. But I did that and then at some point during that hundred rounds my die went bad, my sizing die. So I had a bunch of shit ammo that didn't like to chamber. Um, so you didn't do that... any sort of quality control checks while you were loading all that ammo. I mean, I did. Um, 
like I didn't like drop I didn't chamber drop them. I just uh, did like a case gauge, and I was like, man, there's like a odd number of these that are not passing. Like it's like half, half of these are like not case gauging. And then I would go shoot a match, and I'd get like a couple of ones that wouldn't chamber, or the gun would lock up, and I just like couldn't get them out. And so I just like it kind of built. Like I had loaded them up, and I was like, man, these aren't. Chechen, I'm having a failure every once in a while, and then I kind of finally realized I was like, something is gone quite awry because my gun won't run for shit now. <laughs> so then I started looking into it and changed the die out. But yeah, that was my last experience with loading a bunch of ammo off season. Not to say that's necessarily the reason I don't load, but that was my last experience. So that always the, is danger. What? During the summer, I, I shoot normally every Wednesday night. Um, and my family knows that. And it's like pizza night for the kids and whatnot. So when the weather is bad and there's no daylight, I just go and I load on Wednesday night. And then I load for a couple hours. And then I'm both slightly more available at home. And I still sort of protect that time. Because my other experience is if I give up the shooting time, then something else does fill that time. And then at some point in the future, I have to take it back. And that's stressful. Oh, yeah. So that's I protect the time by loading. Protect your time. That's, you know, that's that's a pretty solid piece of advice there. Pretty solid, I would say. Yeah. It, no, it's hard if, if, if they're used to having you having you present it's hard to to all of a sudden become not present right like the podcast now is is very easy for me to tell my kids normally i put you know help the kids with bath time and bedtime and all that read books uh and all that mm -hmm. but monday night hey kids i'm recording pies okay bye daddy give me a hug before you go do that and and that's it like there's no problem if i if i tried to do that on another night it would be a problem because they're <laughs> Because they expect me to be reading them a book uh, mm -hmm. on the other nights, unless they're mad at me and then they want mommy to read the book. But uh, right. so, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fascinating, uh, fascinating uh, insights there, potato. It is. All right, guys, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, please comment or send questions, like and subscribe, everything, and be looking for that video to come out. It's going to be busting. And I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to be able to see it. Thanks for coming on, Potato. We really appreciate it. We do. Peace.